Welcome to Atrium Talks. Hi, Bhagwan. Hi, Deepa. Bhagwan, so as researchers, we're always searching for the truth. The truth. We're in a quest for it. So, for instance, in the last episode, we talked about how the survival of our species is dependent on social wherewithal. But if you look at it, there could be two paths to survival, right? One is social maneuvering and the other is social learning. Okay. So typically, if we want to find out, you know, what's the mechanism behind uh, an outcome that we observe, we, we research it, we model it. We model it. But I think models are not truth. I don't think we are after truth. I don't think we can find truths. I think we can only use models that are useful, that help us. And researchers, that's what we do. We write down models that are useful. And you're not saying here when, so for instance, you know, in the case of this model, there can be an error in terms of estimation of the relative role of learning versus maneuvering. But that's not what you're talking about here, are you? You're saying the truth that we seek, you know, what we're observing itself may not be real. That's right, yeah. So it's a much deeper point. And in fact, it's not only researchers that use models. All human beings use models. The language we use is a model. So we got this package of language from Sigmund Freud, which we use in everyday language. Oh, you are just projecting. Oh, this is my unconscious. Well, it's nothing but models. It's not really the reality. Explain this, Bhagwan. So one would argue, the evolutionary perspective would argue, that if, if what we are perceiving is not reality, then, you know, people would not survive. For instance, I have to see a tiger and my perception of a, that it is a tiger is what leads me to survive, right? So evolution no. would predict that that's at work there. No, so evolution is not about truth. Evolution is only telling us to predict the future that help us survive and thrive. In fact, evolution may want us to hide some reality from us so that we can survive. So I think you're right. It's the evolution, but evolution doesn't want you to find the nitty-gritty truths. And the book we are going to talk about today is by Donald Hoffman, which is called The Case Against Reality. And that's exactly the point he is making. Give us an example of this. So Donald Hoffman gives this great example of a computer and you have an interface. Interface is not reality. On interface, you also have icons. So you have an icon for your files. You have an icon for a program. For email. For email, okay? Now what that is allowing us to do is, is helping us. But that blue icon is literally not the file. The it doesn't file. mean that the file is blue. It doesn't, doesn't mean, mean the that file the file is sitting in that right corner where the icon is sitting. Right. And the file is in the guts of the computer with all kinds of, you know, transistors and chips and zeros and ones. In fact, we don't want to know about this. So That's not helpful. This is complex. So evolution is as much about hiding from us. That's right. Yeah. Reality that helps us survive. Right. So even neuroscientists are figuring this out, that human perception is not about finding the truth. Human perception is very complicated. It only finds out limited information and then the brain makes up that model and we proceed because we have limited resources. 
we cannot examine everything in detail before we can proceed. So if you have to draw a mental model or a mathematical model for consciousness, you're saying there is there's one, you know, one element of experiences. You have a set of experiences. You have a set of actions that are informed by these experiences. The world is some probability space. And there is an algorithm yeah. that maps your experiences to your actions. Yeah. The world influences your perception and therefore there's a perception map from the world to your experiences. And there is an action map because your actions also influence the world. That's right. And yeah. therefore there's also an equivalent map from your actions to the world. That's there's right. no reality, Bhagwan. There is no reality. There's no reality. In fact, to take the example of your tiger. Our mind works to make sure that we survive and not be eaten by the tiger. That's all evolution cares about. It doesn't care about the fact that you need to know all the stripes of the tiger. What does the tiger's eyes look like? We don't want to know that. As soon as you get a rough image of this object that looks dangerous, you want to act with very little information, very little perception. So we are using models, but we are using models efficiently. And that's how we do research as well. For example, in order to distinguish between the two models of human societies that you talked about. Social intelligence versus social learning. We need to be cognizant that these are just, just models. models. Right. But the models would allow you to distinguish. Right. Hmm. The question is, which models are more useful in the sense which models allow us to make predictions that help us survive and they help us thrive. Take your model seriously, but don't take them literally. Take your model seriously, but not literally. Okay. A great example of this actually comes from physics. So in the 20th century, there was this big revolution, quantum physics, and it made no sense at all to Albert Einstein. Hmm. It wasn't intuitive enough. But the models these guys wrote down gave predictions that were bang on the mark. They were very good, very accurate. And we use those models, predictions of quantum mechanics, all the time, including our cell phones, how the GPS sure. works. It is all useful. It's a very useful model, even though intuitively it makes no sense at all. So the same thing we should do as researchers. We should not be hung on and saying that this has to make intuitive sense. So that's how researchers, that's how we should work too. We should write down the models and then look at the data and see which model gives better prediction of the data that we see. And that's how we work. That's how we do research in social sciences. In fact, that's how we do research in physical sciences as well. With the knowledge that the data and that model are also encapsulating one slice. Only a slice. A slice. Of and it may get it wrong. Correct. And we have learned this in science as well. Models that work with big objects like Earth and Sun, Newtonian physics, fail miserably at very small scale. So models can be wrong. And in fact, you should celebrate the fact that models are wrong. Why? Because they are only focusing on one part of the truth, not the entire reality. If we were to get bogged down with the entire reality, we will in fact make no progress at all. Fair enough. So take your model seriously, but not literally. Not literally. Thank you, Deepa. Thank you, Bhagwan.